Welcome to this week's Energy Show. I was thinking about how quiet and elegant baseboard electric heat is, or electric heat that's embedded in the floor slabs of, of a house or, or a commercial building. There's no moving parts. There's no maintenance. It's comfortable. The system pretty much lasts forever. But it's really expensive. You really can't store heat in that way. And a lot of these floor slab systems take a long time to heat up. So if you, if you come home from working and turn the thermostat on, it might not be until the next morning that the house is warm. But these things are going to change because it's my view that the future of energy generation, storage, and use is going to move more towards electricity and cheap electricity and things that can be optimized with cheap electricity. Then a lot of the traditional uh, fossil fuels and, and mechanical storage and mechanical engines that we use. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, really to the whole future of energy generation, energy storage, and use. And I've talked about this before, how it's my view that this energy is going to be more concentrated in terms of electricity rather than other forms of energy storage, like fossil fuels, etc. So let's just kind of set the Wayback Machine and talk about the old days. In the old days, we used to chop wood to build fires, and the fires would keep us warm. That's, that's how we were able to survive in colder climates. And we made lots and lots of improvements. But, you know, the old saying about chopping wood is great because it warms you twice, once when you're chopping the wood and once when you burn it, it's great. But it's really, it's, it's kind of primitive. I mean, you're using this sharp axe and chopping down trees and waiting for them to age. I mean, it's a great exercise. But it's not that efficient. And then we moved towards coal, mining coal, and then we, we used oil. And coal and oil was, was used to power plants where we had engines and turbines and, and it kind of advanced towards nuclear. A little uh, side growth, which was, which was and continues to be fairly popular, is solar thermal, where we're actually moving hot water through solar collectors. And, and I'm talking about moving water, so there's pumps involved. And you've got heat pumps, which I, I, th I think are really great, where you've got electricity running a refrigeration cycle, cooling and air conditioning, and then you can reverse the cycle to heat. Um, or you have wind turbines, where you've got basically a big propeller in the wind that's turning a generator, and that's generating electricity. But all these things involve moving parts. There's a lot of work that's done. Obviously, with any situation where we're burning fuels, we've got a combustion process that's releasing greenhouse gases. And even when you're burning wood, the carbon in that wood is basically in the wood. And when you burn it, the carbon goes into the atmosphere. Now, we got a little bit, and it's growing really fast, but a little bit of solar photovoltaic and a little bit of electric heat. But still, compared to gas, that those technologies are relatively expensive. The great thing is they're getting cheaper all the time. So we're looking at how electricity is becoming more popular for, for heating and cooling. Transportation, same thing. We walked, we ran, then we got horses, and we had boats, and we had trains, planes, and automobiles, and then we had some bad John Candy movies, or actually really good movies if you're a fan. So, you know, these things were really propelled with concentrated storage fuels. Concentrated fuels store a lot of energy, gasoline, diesel, but it's polluting. And, and once again, we've got a trend where we're using more electricity. We're storing energy in batteries. There's really nothing moving in that. I mean, you're not burning it. And EVs are, are becoming quite popular. Now, to, truth be told, there was electric cars before there was uh, diesel and, and gas cars. They kind of went into so-called hibernation for about 100 years. But now they're back. They're back with a vengeance. And uh, they're going to be real popular. So... When I was a geeky engineering student, I was always wondering how long it would take 
for solar photovoltaic to be the dominant energy source and, and batteries and electric motors to be the dominant storage and propulsion items and tools. Now that I'm a geeky adult, I'm still thinking about it. And what's great is the, that future is here. It's becoming even more compelling. So the topic of this, this week's show after that long introduction is electronics beats mechanics for energy energy generation and storage. That's my kind of thesis. That's what we're going to talk about today. Essentially, we can generate energy, electricity, and store energy with electrons, just moving electrons around. You know, photovoltaic effect, photon hits a photovoltaic material, pops an electron off, creates an electric current. You can do work with that if you don't need to do the work right now. Put it in a battery, store it electronically or chemically or, or in a capacitor. So that's the trend, and I think it's going to continue. There's really no, no reason why it won't. There's reasons why it's taken this long to get there, but we're, we're really, you look around, you look around, everything we do, we use, we, we live in, is all making that transition from moving atoms to moving electrons. And heck, you know, he, even here in Silicon Valley, our economy is really built around electrons and software and, and new technology. And we're not talking about making pumps and motors and things that really moved a lot. So when we talk about all of our older legacy technology, it really does depend on moving atoms around, moving atoms in, in terms of a motor or a generator or, um, or things like that to generate heat and to do work. We're moving things. So we're burning wood or natural gas. It's a combustion process. And then you move a lot of materials around. You've got a lot of uh, gas. You're, um, uh, then you have that, that expanding heated gas, burning, which is from burning fuel. It's creating heat. It's moving a piston or, or in a turbine. It's spinning a turbine. And that's all doing the work. You're moving atoms. It's the combustion of, of atoms, and chemical combustion, and it's the mechanical process of moving these motors and generators and things around. And it's a pain in the neck because these are complicated systems with a lot of moving parts, and moving parts um, have to be lubricated and maintained and cooled down. You just look at your car. You look at the difference between a, a gasoline car and, and an electric vehicle, pure electric vehicle, and you look at all the difference moving parts in a gas car and from the fuel pump to the fuel injection, to the cylinders, to the transmission, to the cooling system, to the air conditioning system. They all, <laughs> it's all moving parts. It all needs to be maintained, lubricated, and, and fixed when it breaks. I mean, even if you look at a windmill, the windmill's got blades that spin around and a transmission and a generator. A lot of moving parts, a lot of atoms moving around. So that's on the generation side, but let's just talk about the storage side. How do we? How how are we storing energy right now? Well, probably the the biggest way we're storing energy is in pumped hydroelectricity in dams. We're storing water behind a huge dam, and um, that water then goes through a spillway um, or goes into a generator, and that's uh, generating the electricity. So you know, lots of moving water, lots of moving parts. Talk about some little things like the you know little hand crank radios. You you crank them up or a generating flashlight. You crank the thing and it's spinning a flywheel. There's a spring that you tighten up and then releases. And even clocks and watches. When you're storing energy in springs that that are tightened, and then as they they loosen, they release energy. Or you know, an old-fashioned cuckoo clock or a grandfather clock. You've got weights that you raise up. So once again, atoms moving up and down, from storing energy. But then you think about the new technologies. Electricity generated by photovoltaic. There's no moving parts, zero. You know, two wires, you got electricity coming out of it as opposed to all the, all the moving parts and atoms that go around in a, a gas-powered generator. 
generating facility that's delivering the electricity. For those of you who have a photovoltaic system, there are I challenge you to find any moving parts on that system. I mean, it even used to be that we had an electric meter that was spinning, but now even the electric meters on the side of your house are all electronic. You don't even have a rotor that's spinning. Everything is just moving electrons, no moving parts, no maintenance. It's great. You know, let's talk about storage technologies. We've been storing energy in batteries. Heck, since, um, I don't know who it was, Faraday, that that came up with the idea of chemical battery storage, and that became pretty popular, and lots and lots of battery innovation. So basically, the batteries are storing energy chemically, but there's no atoms that are moving around there. You've got, you know, it's mostly a chemical reaction that's just generating electricity with electrons. Or you look at something that's pure electronic, like an ultra capacitor. I think we're going to hear more about that. And even high-density magnetic fields can store energy. So these storage devices have no moving parts. It's terrific. And then you're able to transmit that electricity, since it's, it's in electrons, over wires. Once again, no moving parts. The first time that there's any moving part is the motor that's actually doing work, that's turning a wheel or, or activating some component. So these applications, they're, they're not limited to energy generation and storage. I mean, I was just looking at my phone, right? Phone that doesn't, <laughs> old phones that I remember, there was a dial phone. You turn this dial manually with your finger and then it made a bunch of clicks and these clicks went over wires and that actually activated relays or you would pick up the phone before there was a dial and you talk to an operator and the operator would unplug one circuit and plug something in, in, a, in a, literally in a phone jack. And make the connection. So there's a, humans involved in moving wires or relays. And then we started getting towards electronic switching. And now cell phone. There's no – if you need to dial somebody or talk to somebody on your cell phone, there's not a single moving part involved in that. You push a, a capacitance screen. You know, this is just part of the screen that there's not even a button on. And then it's making the connection. So no moving parts. Yes, my cell phone has uh, an on-off button and a volume button. So there's actually something mechanically moving. And then there's a, a thing, a home key, home button that you actually can push. But other than that, you know, you can you can get by with your phone without ever moving anything mechanically. It's purely done electronically. And, you know, it goes from the phone to the phone system, to the person who's answering the call, and they're going to take the phone out of their pocket. Yeah, they're moving atoms around to move the phone to their head so they listen to it, but they're going to just, once again, push that screen, no button, and uh, it's all electronic. I was thinking about when I go out to lunch sometimes and pay for lunch, I just put my finger on the sensor of the phone. I don't even have to. There's no atoms that are exchanged when I'm paying for lunch. You know, I get my, my uh, $5 Jamba Juice. I used to have a, a $5 bill. Well, now, there's no coins or paper money that are involved at all. Moreover, I'm not even using a credit card. It's just all electronic. Boom, it just comes out of my account electronically. Not a single atom is moved in that transaction. Well, except for eating lunch. Um, transportation, let's talk about that. One big word, when, well, one big word, two words really, video conferencing. We can do it on our phones now. There's no moving parts. There's not traveling involved. Now, granted, video conferencing hasn't really taken off as much as we hope, but there's no doubt in my mind as, as we have more virtual reality and more screens and, and more ability to communicate with video um, that these trends are all going to continue. So you just kind of look at what's happening in our society as it becomes more technological and we start using more advanced electronics. Why is this trend continuing? Well, I, I got three reasons for it. One is it's more reliable. Two, it's cheaper. And, and economically, we're always going to move towards the solution. It's cheaper. 
And third, it's cleaner when it comes to energy. So let's just compare a photovoltaic plant to a gas power plant. Gas power plants right now are the closest competitors in terms of ability to generate energy um, uh, compared to PV. And wind, wind is out there also, just a little bit of different dynamics there. But let's just look at the difference between a photovoltaic plant and a gas power plant. These are decisions that utilities are making every day. You know, what are we going to put in? They're not even thinking about coal anymore. So obviously, a photovoltaic plant, way more reliable. It probably costs a little bit more to install, maybe not anymore, but there's no moving parts to wear out. There's nothing to maintain. There's, there's no turbines or things to lubricate. You don't have to buy fuel, gas lines that are going to a plant with pumps and compressors. Look at a power plant. I mean, you're, you, there's just, just hundreds of people literally maintaining and operating that plant. And if you look at a, a comparably sized photovoltaic plant, yeah, you still need some people out there to kind of wash it and make sure that everything's working. But it just works with a tremendously lower amount of maintenance. Um, so, so that reliable means it's also cheaper because maintenance is expensive. Replacing components, it's expensive. There's a lot of costs associated with more limited lifetimes of equipment. Things just wear out and have to get replaced. And the fuel is expensive. Natural gas. It's relatively cheap now, but compared to the free sunlight that's coming down, it costs more money. And obviously... These photovoltaic plants, clean energy plants, they're, they're operating more cleanly. They're, they're not emitting any greenhouse gases. And that's the case during operation, but it's also the case during construction and maintenance. You, know, you don't have to have people driving around and maintaining equipment, replacing things. It's just it, it also has um, a lot more emissions or, or disposed of equipment. So wind power actually has a lot of similar benefits to photovoltaics, but they still have moving parts. Wind is probably a little bit cheaper on a generating basis compared to PV, but you really can't put a wind plant anywhere, whereas you can put a wind, you can put a solar plant anywhere where there's sunlight. And because the wind plants have turbines and mechanical parts, we're still not, we're not going to see the same continued cost reduction as we're having with photovoltaic systems, PV panels. Like you, know, you just look at the cost of a PV panel from $100 a watt to $10 a watt to less than a dollar a watt, and it's still going down. So lots and lots of continued cost advantages there. So, so what's been driving this change? Why is this happening? Well, I think that one big reason is that we've been continuing to do research into new materials. And it's not just the photovoltaic materials, but it's, it's, it's chips, it's manufacturing techniques, it's lasers, it's everything that it takes to make an electronic generation storage and usage bit model work as opposed to kind of the old way we do things. So the, the materials are, are really driving it, material science. And then it's, and it's applying the material science into new products. Batteries, once again, new materials. Started off with lead acid. We've got lithium ion. There's other chemistries on the way. Batteries, they're getting cheaper, they're getting smaller, and they're getting more durable. Electric motors. Yeah, we've had electric motors for, I'm guessing, like 150 years or so. But these motors are getting cheaper, smaller, more efficient, still with moving parts. But we're, we're able to get more work out of a motor for less cost with more efficiency. 
Electronics, a huge, huge part of the transition where these electronics packages are getting smaller, cheaper, and faster. And there's software that's that's just hand-in-hand with that, that hardware trend, which is making the combination of hardware and software a lot more efficient. That's why we can do things like video conferencing on our cell phone. It's amazing. There's there's new technology. So this is, you know, it's, it's, it's always kind of a challenge to say what's going to happen in the future, but the, the, things don't stand still. Yes, Tesla found a way to transmit electricity electricity without wires. We kind of lost that secret, but we're we're finding other ways to do it. There are super superconductors, and there's just a lot of people think that we're going to have room temperature superconductors or superconductors that are going to be really cost effective without expensive refrigeration equipment. And and obviously we got. How is, how is all of our communication done right now from uh, over distances, from point to point? It's done with lasers and light. It's, it's not even wires anymore. We're, instead of the electrons, we're shooting photons around. The photons are then turned into electrons locally. Once again, no atoms are moving, which is great. So what are some of the implications for the future? Well, I completely believe that these changes are going to continue. And I look back at yeah, you know, over the last hundred years, you know, hundred years ago, we were still chopping wood to keep uh, keep us warm in our houses, and there was more horses than cars on the roads. Right now, you know, nobody's doing that. Heck, fire um, chopping wood to to keep a house warm here in California, it's illegal. And um, horses are nice hobbies, and they're they're kind of out there, but um, you're not using that for transportation anymore. So, tremendous changes over the last hundred years, and. There's no doubt in my mind that these changes are going to continue. There's, there's a, a relentless drive of, of this new, more concentrated form of energy and electrons happening where, you know, you look at having driverless cars. And if you have a driverless car, you, you kind of eliminate. I'm, not, I'm assuming that these driverless cars are all going to be electric vehicles with batteries, but you eliminate a lot of the control systems and the things that are in cars because the computer's going to do it all. You're going to say, I want to go here, and it's just going to automatically go there. That's going to be great also because it's going to improve the efficiency of our transportation. Probably don't need to build as many roads as we think because the cars that are that are controlled by computers are going to be smarter than the, the cars that are being driven by idiots like me, people. So... That's going to continue, and I think it's going to happen in an accelerated rate. My, my grandchildren are probably not going to get a driver's license. They're just going to get in the car, and they're going to you know, they're going to tell the car where to go, and it's going to go. And it's just like, yeah, you'll need a driver's license if you get one of those old-fashioned cars with a steering wheel. But other than that, all you're going to need is a communication device. I don't even know if we're going to call it a cell phone anymore. So that's going to change. Environmental reasons obviously are pushing this. We're, we're able to reduce the impact of greenhouse gases. But really, it's my view is the biggest factor is economic. It's cheaper forms of energy. It's more usable forms of energy. There's companies that are going to be continually built on these cheaper energy generation, storage, and usage technologies. And customers, industry, companies, government, homeowners, they're going to buy these new technologies because they're effectively better and cheaper, just like our cell phones. I mean, you know, we don't even have a wireline phone in the house anymore. 
probably spend about the same amount of money on our phones as we used to with a with AT&T, inflation-adjusted basis. So here's the, the future trends. They're, the trend's going to be away from moving parts, away from atoms moving around, more towards electronics and electrons um, being transmitted and the electrons doing, doing the work. And the trend is going to be towards PV generation and battery storage, and that's going to predominate. I do not think that we're going to come up with any technologies that are going to be using old-fashioned hot... Uh, fuels, I mean, even if it's nuclear fusion or nuclear fission, that's going to then generate steam and turn a turbine and it's going to run a generator. That's just like a pain in the neck. It's just going to be PV and batteries or some other technology that's going to immediately just generate that electricity. And we're going to use the energy in terms of electricity. And I think the implications of that going forward, our homes are going to change because we're going to have uh, baseboard heat. We're going to have slab heat. We're going to have radiant heat in the walls because the electricity is going to be cheaper. No atoms will be disturbed to heat your house. And I think we can do that with cooling also eventually. There are technologies right now. They're called thermoelectric cooling systems. It's called a Peltier device. And basically you put electricity in and one side of this little chip gets hot, one side gets cold. You can buy um, little... uh, Little coolers for that. They can be used in electronics that need to be cooled. Now, the problem with these thermoelectric cooling systems right now, they're only 10 or 15% efficient compared to, say, 40 or 60% for a con- conventional refrigeration cycle. But prices are they're definitely going to come down, and we're going to see more and more applications for that. And, and when it comes to cooling, cooling air, there's, there's always the issue of dehumidifying and um, moving air around. And so that, that will, that's still a challenge with something that's purely electronic. But I, I think we'll find ways of simplifying that. We're still going still to have to move the, the water that comes out of the humid air. Transportation, certainly. EVs, no doubt about it. it you know, it's, but it's interesting. You go to, um, go to Shanghai in the, uh, between the Shanghai Pudong Airport and, uh, and downtown Shanghai or Pudong, Shanghai, You've got a maglev train. That sucker goes 250 miles an hour. There's no wheels. There's no moving parts. It's it's purely moved by magnetic levitation and then the magnetic attraction from magnets in front of a, a train section to, to the back. And, and that just it's like you're flying over the ground. Yeah, really expensive. Um, it's probably one of the only trains like that in the world. They're not building a lot more of them, but they'll, 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 there will be more. And maybe we'll find a way to... to um, electrify more vehicles like these maglev trains. So, kind of in conclusion, it's my view that things that must move, wheels, electric motors, etc., they're, they're always going to be there, but we're going to be doing more of the work with electrons than with atoms. There's going to be electric motors with, with PV-generated uh, electricity that's going to be moving things around as far in, instead of fossil fuels or, or nuclear or, or, or anything else. And every device that we use is going to take advantage of these trends, except for, you know, people who really want to continue to be retro and get an axe to chop down, chop up uh, some wood to heat their house, which you know, I think there's a lot of advantages to that still. It's kind of fun and, and as I said, retro, but uh, it's not that efficient. And, and I hope, you know, along those lines, I hope we continue to exercise and we don't just evolve into protoplasmic blobs of brains with no muscles. And, and you know, a lot of people, me included, love to ride our bicycle. It's, it's fun. It's a lot of exercise. And, you know, it's better in some ways than driving a car. But the trend is really more towards things that are propelled with electricity. There's no doubt in my mind that we're in the midst of this big energy generation, storage, and usage shift. And I have to hand it to you. If you've, if you've got PV on your roof, 
and you have an EV in your garage and you're thinking about home battery storage, you're really leading that shift. And why are you doing it? Well, it's definitely in the case of the photovoltaic system on your roof, solar on your roof, and the electric vehicle in your garage, you're doing it because it's cheaper and it's better for the environment. And um, th- those economic reasons and those environmental reasons are really driving this transition. So keep your eyes open and your mind open about these new transitions, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So buckle up. Well, that's all the time we've got on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. Mm-hmm.